here today for another episode of Brain Cherries, a series of podcasts where we will discuss interesting topics and ideas around startups, innovation, art and music. I'm Lucrezia and here with me today is my co-host Erika who's joining in from sunny London. Hi Lucrezia, how are you? Well, I'm good, but it's raining outside and you just told me that it's sunny in London, so for once it's the, the, the weather is better in the UK than in Italy. But sometimes it happens, so okay. You can have this one Sunday, sunny Sunday. I've never seen so much sun in London in the past like three weeks of lockdown, honestly. <laughs> I, want to, I want to start with something that I know you're going to be really excited about. Uh, I just found out mm. before we started recording. So Lady Gaga, together with Global Citizen, they organized the One World Together at Home. So it's a huge concert. Um, worldwide to combat COVID-19 and so basically she put together uh, a whole lot of artists like Adam Lambert, Alicia Keys, uh, Black Coffees, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong herself, Lady Gaga and each of them sang their songs from home and then in between you have like um, information about the COVID and what's going on around the world. It's for free and I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the, the link afterwards but it's like an eight hours concert uh, it's quite amazing. <laughs> I saw I saw about it and honestly it looks gorgeous. Like the lineup is incredible. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll continue today or they will do some replay. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. At the link of this article that I was reading, uh, you have like the whole eight hours concert. But anyways, what, what are you gonna um, talk to us about today, Erika? So today is a very exciting topic. I've just finished reading uh, this book called The Paradox of Choice, uh, Why More is Less by Barry Swartz, who is an American psychologist uh, and um, a professor uh, at the Swarthmore College in the US. And this book is a bit old. Uh, it was written in 2005, but it's crazy how relevant his theories are even to date. So the book talks about why the increased amount of choices we face every day, instead of making us happier uh, and giving us more freedom, they actually make us uh, sadder and more dissatisfied with the choices we make. The book starts with a story uh, of himself uh, uh, going to buy a pair of jeans. Um, and you know, this guy hasn't been uh, outside to buy a pair of jeans for a couple of years, so he goes in, into a shop and asks for a pair of jeans. The clerk there um, asks, what type of jeans do you want? And he replies, well, I don't know, just, just some jeans. And then, you know, they go on in this conversation and, you know, he's proposed like different types of jeans, like booty cut, high waist, low waist, uh, wide leg, you know, narrow legs. And the guy is very confused and, and, and doesn't know what to do because in his old world, there was only one type of jeans that he could buy. And so he starts thinking, okay, maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe I should try out these, all these different, different options. And so he starts trying them. He spends like two hours in the shop and then he leaves the shop with you know, objectively a better pair of jeans that, than the one he used to buy. However, he feels very unhappy and he doesn't understand why. Being a psychologist, he's, he's trying to explain to himself what's going on. And so uh, Barry decides to spend the next couple of years trying to understand and give scientific evidence to why he was feeling so dissatisfied, although objectively he had a better pair of jeans than the one uh, he used to buy in the past. The theory of the book is that with this in increased amount of choices, first, we are paralyzed. So most of the time we actually don't make any choice. And then if we end up choosing, we actually more dissatisfied due to increased expectations. So our expectation about what is a good pair of jeans has of course increased now that we know there are so many options and also about opportunity costs. So what are all the other jeans that are missing out 
now I'm only maybe I've tried only 10 but what about the other 50 that I haven't tried and so this really causes a lot of dis dissatisfaction in people and actually the people that are mostly dissatisfied are those called maximizers you know maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about who are the maximizers who are the satisficers so we can find out what Lucrezia is if she's a satisficer or a maximizer <laughs> I um, can't wait to find so out so <laughs> tell me more tell me more so, okay, so a maximizer is someone that uh, doesn't stop until they have evaluated all the options that are potentially um, the you know, best option for the type of problem or the type of product that they're trying to buy. A satisficer instead is someone that as soon as they find an option that meets the requirement that they have in mind, they choose. In the end, a satisficer is someone that can use some sort of heuristic or some sort of shortcut to take a decision, to try not to spend, you know, an endless amount of time on a decision, whereas a maximizer is what we would define like a perfectionist, you know, someone that tries to find the perfect solution. So Lucrezia, of course, not everyone is a satisficer or a maximizer in every situation, so it depends also on the type of decision. Have you decided who you are and what type of decisions maybe you are more of a maximizer or you're more of a satisficer? <laughs> this is interesting. I think another variable that we might want to add is time. So I guess throughout life, we might start off being more maximizers and then shift to being more satisficers or the other way around. And I think this is in general what happened to me. So when I was younger, I, I tried, I was quite obsessed with perfection in general and now well, when I started doing more and more things, working, working at different projects, teaching, I found out that being maximizers is just not cost effective I think. So I guess you really spend a lot of time and energy if you try to obsess to find the best thing also because it's impossible to do that uh, especially related to some topics. So for example, I don't know, I'm thinking about online buying so if you go, if you want something, you go to a shop, you already have a lot of uh, different options. But then if you think about what you could get by buying online, so from other countries, then the choice grows exponentially. I don't think being a maximizer is really cost efficient. And I think it makes you waste a lot of time and energy. So I think in, in right now, in most facets of my, uh, of my life, I am a satisfizer. And also consider that, as, as you said, in the example of online shopping, you may not be able to actually evaluate all the options. You know, if you think about how many options you have for food, and that's why, you know, maximizers with an, an increased array, array of choices are really dissatisfied because they can never get to the point where they can evaluate all the options. And so eventually they, they are basically paralyzed and they end up not choosing. And yeah, something very interesting that uh, the book was talking about regarding uh, paralysis of choice and uh, how this is impacted by the array of choices that we have. Uh, they were citing an experiment regarding jams. So they were, they were presenting a certain uh, amount of samples to, the, to some experiment participants. And in one display there were six jams and in the other display there were 24. And the exciting result is that whenever there was the small selection, 30% of the people decided to buy one of the jams, whereas in the other display with 24, only 3% of those exposed to the larger selection decided to buy. And this is a clear indication that most of the time, whenever we have more choice, we actually end up not choosing at all, which is, of course, a disaster for uh, you know, many sellers, if you think about it. 
Yeah, it's funny. I guess it's also a matter of priorities um, and how well you can prioritize the different things that you have to do. Because, of course, um, like for the maximizers who just want to check out all the options that they have, um, it means that like they're not prioritizing something else. Um, so, for example, I can I can think of one thing where I one situation in which I was more of a maximizer. Um, so I've I've uh, lately decided to change jobs. So I'm quite excited about that, and I'm going to um, kind of start a new phase of my life, I guess. And in my choice about either moving towards this next next phase, so accepting this new offer or staying where I was, I think I was really much of a maximizer because I tried to tackle each single um, characteristic of the job that I was offered, each single characteristic of also the lifestyle that surrounds that kind of job and the different location where I'll be. And so in this sense, I was really aiming for the best of everything, but because job and career is a priority for me. And so in this sense, it was something that I felt like even if I was spending a lot of time thinking about all the different facets of the two scenarios, it was worth it because it's my priority. Whereas for other things, we should understand that some things are not that big of a priority. So I don't really mind whether I bought the best pair of jeans ever because it's just jeans and to me it's not a priority. Priority. Yeah. Of course, then for Absolutely. other people, it might be that priority is the genius and not the job. Or everyone has their own priorities. But I think the fact of being able to prioritize is really important when facing this paradox of choice. Absolutely. And actually, it's interesting what the what the book highlights. It seems that with an increased amount of choices, more people are becoming maximizers in more areas. So, you know, someone that may start off as a satisficer when he's presented with more options. And so maybe even in your case, you know, if instead of having, you know, three, four choices that you maybe had selected, you were presented with like 20 uh, appealing choices, how much more difficult would it, would it have been uh, to actually evaluate them on the same scale of detail that you have done with, this, with three, these three jobs. And so I think it's very important to consider the case where, you know, sometimes it's actually not that good to have all, uh, all these choices. And so are maximizers then people that actually tend to postpone their decision until they can think that they have all the options in front of them? Yeah, from what the book highlights, absolutely yes. So they tend to uh, want to evaluate all the possible options. And w when that's possible, they spend the time that they need to and then they stop when they've actually found the option that is the best across all the different uh, characteristics. If they can't, because the options maybe are millions, uh, then they end up potentially not choosing at all. And then the interesting thing, the, the, the second side effect is that even if you end up choosing, because of opportunity cost and so the all the other options that you may have not considered because of time or because you, you couldn't, when you think about all the other options that you have left out, this causes a lot of dissatisfaction and a lot of self-blame because you had to, you were forced to choose a kind of less uh, perfect, uh, you know, less maximized option as a result of like not having time, not having enough resources to scan through all the options that you've missed out on. But then there are, though, um, there is someone who is trying to make our lives easier uh, in helping to reduce choice, right? 
Absolutely, yeah. I've seen it in many, many areas. Uh, one area that I find super interesting because I'm passionate about it is the, the food industry and in particular the one on, on retailers. If you look at what retailers are actually most successful in the recent years, you can think about Lido, you can think about Aldi. And what they, the, really the strategy that they went for is a very, very small selection of products, but very high quality. So you may not find the 20 versions of uh, breeches. You may find one version of breeches, but that one version, you know, it's it's a good quality. Of course, this strategy reduces choice, but also has a high quality. So, you know, in that, in terms of characteristics of your choice, if quality is important for you, that's, you know, it would get an eight or nine. And so it actually makes people, you know, faster with the choice and also much happier. It's proven very successful, so successful that so many other retailers that didn't go for that strategy at the beginning, like think about, I don't know, the task of the situation, like in Italy, for example, we have a very good example of it like Selunga, you know, where it's famous for having a wide variety of choice. You know, some of these players are actually trying to go for the strategy where they reduce the selection of products. And this, of course, apart from increasing sales, as we've said before, because it reduces this uh, block that you have for taking a decision. It also reduces costs for, for these um, retailers because you have to manage uh, a smaller uh, amount of products. So I think it's a win-win on both sides. the implications of this phenomenon of paradox of choice like applied widely to to everyday life and decisions yeah one one thing that the book was highlighting which i found super interesting is the idea of shift of responsibility who is actually making the selection of what are the eligible options you know two examples really struck with me and one was example of pensions if your employer offers you a hundred uh, pension funds versus five pension funds it means that you are the one that then has to go and scan through all the 100 pension funds and decide which one is the, is the right for you whereas if they choose uh, you know they offer you only five you have an implicit assumption that they've already selected the best ones because they have the knowledge to do it and so in the end the shift of responsibility for you know the quality of the of the first scan of choices uh, is on the employer versus if you have many choices is on the employee and similarly, you know, think about when you go to the doctor, you explain what your problem is, and then the doctor says, okay, I think you can do one, you can do two, you can do three, you can do four. What do you want to do? So now, you know, it's the patient that, that, has the, that has the really burden of responsibility for doing research and making the choice on what is best for his health. Whereas, honestly, because the doctor has the knowledge, is the doctor that should make, you know, the decision and should tell you what to do. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting and as to where the burden of responsibility is being shifted when there are so many options presented to the consumer. Uh, and then maybe one final comment is, you know, what can we do to actually make this better? Is decreasing the amount of choices really the way to go? Or maybe there's something else that, that we should do. Maybe we don't have to reduce the choices. Maybe we just need to improve the way we are making decisions. And maybe improving the way we're making decisions is making them a bit more unconscious. Changing the environment so that the cho choices are, are easier. One interesting example that I have is like, you're trying to decide what to eat and you want to eat healthy. You know, if you have a piece of vegetable placed in front of you 
and like that's the hold you can see every day you know maybe it's a bit easier for you to choose that over you know going for a piece of chocolate that is like hidden you know three cupboards away and you have to you know take a stair to like go find it you know you have the same options like you could go and get the cookie or that brownie that is hidden away but then what option is actually easier to choose maybe this is the way to go maybe it's just making the, the right choices easier uh, but then of course there is also a topic of like who decides what is the right choice so i think yeah, you have to exactly. have already a, almost a preconception so i yeah i do i do agree there are so many tricks to make um, your own environment. I mean, even if they are tricks that you play yourself, uh, but still they work. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why they work is because even if it's a trick or a strategy that we did for ourselves, so we know that we did it at some point in the past, but it still works because most of our decisions, almost all of them are actually driven by unconscious thoughts rather than conscious ones. And this is a really interesting uh, topic that I connects really well with what you were saying, and I hope um, we'll be able to explore it in a future episode. Um, it has a lot to do with neuroscience that um, studies the brain and how how our conscious and unconscious mind works, and what's the relationship of conscious and unconscious mind also connected to the actions that we take. Um, so that it's a it's a huge field that has seen great improvements in the past few years. It's something that actually I've been uh, I got back to studying this field um, in the past few weeks. So I'm quite excited about it, and I really hope that we can explore this further. Absolutely, let's let's do it. Yeah, so I think uh, this uh, is the end of, uh, of our yeah, episode. Yeah, time is up. We covered so many things today, Erika. Time is up. Oh, we yes. were true to the reason why we created this podcast. So we started off with music and then we ended up with the psychology and neuroscience. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope our listeners Absolutely. won't be confused, but just happy. Look, at so you know what I was thinking? I think we should create a playlist that someone can listen to as a side to the podcast. So they listen to the podcast and then the rest of the week when there is no podcast, they, they can listen to the playlist. That's awesome. <laughs> because we're, we're both very passionate ab about music. So I, I think that would uh, it would uh, yield some very interesting uh, this results. This is a great live idea by Erika. I swear we didn't talk about it before. So. <laughs> we actually haven't. No, we haven't discussed it. <laughs> I'm just But that's how our ideas spark. It always happens. Every time me and her, even if we currently live in two different countries we've been living apart for like three years now but it happens all the time like every time we speak some new ideas pop up and that's the great thing about uh, about our friendship i guess <laughs> so i guess i'll talk to you next yeah. week and uh yeah stay safe everyone and uh, enjoy this uh this time at home bye guys have a great week bye bye